Chapter 2 Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Philippians chapter 2. Can we have the lights, please, so we can see our Bibles. There we go. All of the lights. Thank you so much. So our text today, we're interrupting the first paragraph of chapter 2. The scriptures were not written with chapter numbers or chapters or verses, but they were written in paragraphs. Even in Hebrew, unless it's poetry, is written in paragraphs. And in Hebrew, the paragraphs are not written like we write them, but they're just an extra space between the words, and that's where I understand you see another paragraph beginning. It's important that we read God's Word by paragraphs. There's far too much teaching based on things taken out of context. So if you read the context of this chapter and the book, Paul is in prison, and he's encouraging a church that he started years earlier, He's writing them a letter of encouragement. And in the middle of the first paragraph of what we call chapter 2 of Philippians, the church in Philippi, of Greece said, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was God and he didn't consider his divine right as God as something for him to have to hold on to. He let it all go, but made himself of no reputation. Now, that's what the King James Version says. They follow on the footsteps of a translator, the one of the first English translators named Tyndall. And the Greek word there literally means he emptied himself. He just couldn't settle with the thought that Jesus would empty himself. He's the son of God. How could he just 
empty himself. That can't be right. So he inserted his thoughts there. I don't think he did real damage to the text. He took his reputation and laid it down. He emptied himself of his divine right and lived as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit and only did what the Father told him to do and only said what the Father told him to say. He made himself of no reputation. So when insulted, he just took it, took it, turned the other cheek. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So he humbled himself, and then he humbled himself further as a man and humbled himself further by becoming a bondservant. That's a one who serves out of love. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. So you see the digression or the progression, the stepping down of the Son of God, and became obedient to death, to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he humbled himself as a man, humbled himself as a bondservant, humbled himself in his appearance, humbled himself to the point of death, humbled himself in his death by dying a torturous death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I often watch Christian TV, and I saw a preacher struggling with this text, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And he was trying to explain it away and running all over the Bible. We can't, it can't be, mean that we're earning our salvation. It can't, and he's running all over the Bible. And it's like, dude, calm down. Finish the sentence. Finish the sentence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We work out what God works in. That's not earning our salvation. That's using our salvation. He put a love in my heart. He broke my heart by dealing with my sin, by suffering for me. My sin put in there. And that is to do a number on our hearts where we are inspired to serve him out of inspiration, not condemnation. Out of revelation and not desperation or perspiration. He did it for us. Let me serve you, Lord. What can I do for you? You see that? So we work out the reason we're saved because God has worked in us. The reason to work. He gives us the want to. So really, Jesus is the only one that can that can live the Christian life. And he lives it through us by playing on the heartstrings of our heart. A love song that angels can't even sing. 
the song of the redeemed. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, to speak to us on our subject today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series this year, probably all year long, of honoring God and more. Honoring the Lord and honoring his creation and his characteristics, his attributes, and who he is and who we are in him. Honoring manhood, womanhood, singleness, marriage, the family. Honoring his purpose. We've talked about honoring his blessings. Jeff Ferris, last time he spoke on honoring our calling. Today we're going to speak on honoring humility. Can we say humility? Humility in today's dictionary means freedom from pride or arrogance, a quality or state of being humble. In reality, humility is resisting pride. That's what it is. When you think you've arrived at being humble, Watch out. It's resisting pride. The word humble means not proud or haughty, not arrogant. That's as an adjective. As a uh, adverb, it means to express in a spirit of deference. Uh, my humble opinion here is you're up here and you need to be down. As a verb, it means to rank low in hierarchy. To humble someone is to give them a demotion. Who knows, the Lord can humble you, and so can your children, and so can your boss. So that is humility. So our points today, we're going to talk about our humility and how we need to live a humble life and how not to live a humble life. And then we're going to talk about the humility of Jesus, and then we're going to end on his reward for his humility. Humbling ourselves is a biblical imperative. It's a mandate. It's a command. It's not just a suggestion, not something we're just to lean towards or acquiesce toward. We are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Can I get an amen? Paul wrote to the church in Rome in chapter 12, verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. The word humble also can mean a person who's living in humble circumstances. A, a humble person could be a homeless person. So we are never too good to associate with anybody, right? Well, I don't like the way he smells. He doesn't say uh, associate with humble unless he smells, right? Do not be wise in your own opinion. Oh, is that humbling or what? Many times when we say, in my humble opinion, we're sharing our wise opinion. Humbling ourselves is a biblical imperative. Colossians 3.12 ends with, As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. Sometimes the things we have to forgive 
are things that hurt our pride. You know, when we're prideful, we're really vulnerable to being offended. Right? Always keeping score, daring someone to do something wrong. What is that? It's it could be wounded pride or whatever, but it's not humility. Humility rejoices when other people do well, right? Humility gives people the benefit of the doubt. Well, he gets so many texts that uh, I shouldn't expect him to jump at the chance to respond to mine or her, right? And so humility is so important. To me, it's like the root of all this amazing. 2 Timothy 2, verse chapter 2, verse 24. Paul is instructing a young minister, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. So if you're attempting to instruct someone or show someone the way, or help someone, and their pride has got them in error, or they're just thinking wrong, we're to correct them, but humbly. Obviously, pride is a problem we all wrestle with, right? I may be the only one here, but don't just taunt their pridefulness, but a humility. Say, help me understand why you break the speed limit. Humility helps the medicine go down. Titus is another young leader Paul is instructing. Chapter 3 of his letter to him, verse 1 says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. These are the church members on the island called Crete. To obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. Say nobody. To be peaceable, gentle, to speak evil of no one. No one. May the Lord catch us when we venture beyond that boundary. Showing all humility to all men, unless you don't like them, or unless you disagree with them. It is possible to agree to disagree, is it not? Seems America is losing that art. We're talking about honoring humility. Here's a point. Pridefulness and being humble don't go together. The guy here wrote, humility and how I attained it isn't. Humbling ourselves involves resisting pride. It's an ongoing battle. Peter wrote to churches he was writing to in his first letter, chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people submit to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. So that's to the elders as well. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Just like you put your clothes on, we're to remember humility is to be part of our spiritual dress. To me, it's our underwear underneath our armor. 
don't dare put on your spiritual armor without some underwear, right? That would be very uncomfortable. Humility. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Maybe you're being overlooked. Maybe you're being put down. But if you try to exalt yourself, it's going to be hollow. You may succeed, but there's it, it, not going to be any sweetness to it, right? And who knows if it's genuine. And stopping off and quitting your job just because your boss offended you, uh, that's not a way of being exalted either. Here's one that's relevant to June of 2023. God resists the proud but gives grace, and we say grace, to the humble. I'm taking the rainbow back. Amen. The rainbow is a symbol of God's judgment being held back because it symbolizes the promise to not destroy the earth with the flood again. Notice the bow is facing away from us. So if God should shoot that particular arrow of judgment at us, it goes away from us, right? That's God's grace. That's his mercy. So those that are trying to hijack the rainbow and use it to symbolize something while thumbing their nose at God's judgment to sinful living, fornication, whatever kind is your favorite flavor, look out. Because with that promise is the New Testament promise, it won't be water next time, it's going to be fire. The next verse, that's James 4, 6, verse 10, four verses later, says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt. John the Baptist knew this, but he had to be reminded of this. He said, I must decrease so that he, his cousin Jesus, might increase. He humbled himself because he came to make the way for the Messiah to come. Then when he's in prison, he sends word to his cousin. One of his disciples said, John's in prison. He wants to know are you the Messiah or should we look for another? And Jesus said, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dumb talk. People's lives are being changed. And blessed is he who's not offended because of me. John, there's a dotted line on your neck. Your ministry's coming to an end. You served your purpose as well. Don't get offended because God has shifted gears. That is a lesson for us all. As we get older, there's times to let things go and times to hold fast so that he might increase when we decrease. You may have to remind me of that one day when I get older. God told Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it's in the midst of judgment upon Israel if they did not do what's right. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is a favorite verse to be quoted at prayer meetings. And so in the prayer meeting, we're humbling ourselves, 
We're repenting, we're seeking God's face, and we're turning from wicked ways. But after the prayer meeting, how are we living? This is a daily commitment for all of God's people to humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from his wicked ways. And what is the reward? Our sins are forgiven and the land is healed. Humbling ourselves brings desirable results. The healing of your land is a wonderful thing, right? Psalms 9 verse 12, David wrote, He does not forget the cry of the humble. Psalm 10, verse 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. Is it humble or humble? Humble sounds more humble. Our daughter was born in Humble, Texas, and we sometimes would get corrected and say, no, it's humble. Psalm 25, verse 9, the humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. Who needs guidance? Who has some things in, to learn? You can't learn unless you're teachable. And this is where childlikeness comes in. We're to become as children. Children are humble. They can get prideful, but they're quick to repent, and they're quick to forgive, and they, they, they're teachable. They want to learn. Lord, help us when we get hard and crystallized, and we know everything, and then we just defend our feeble position with pridefulness, trying to intimidate people by raising our voice. That doesn't teach anything. Who knows? We may have something we could learn today. Psalm 69, verse 32, the humble shall see this and be glad. Notice the word this is in italics. So literally the Hebrew says, the humble shall see and be glad. Who wants to have a good outlook that's perceptive, wants to be able to see humility? When we're prideful, we have a perception that sees things the way we see them and we won't change it. Jesus said, the lamp of the body is the eye. Be careful that your eye is good. Because if your eye is good, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your body will be full with darkness. And he said, how great is that darkness? That's in both Matthew and Luke. So how we see things is not necessarily the way they are. That's where humility comes in, to make sure we're seeing things properly. And you who seek the Lord, your hearts will live. Psalm 149.4, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. First the humility, then the honor. Proverbs 22, 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Isaiah 29, 19, the humble also shall increase joy in the Lord. Isaiah 57, 15. I, God is speaking, dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble 
and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Zephaniah 2.3 Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility, because you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. So if we want to escape God's judgment, seek humility. Because pride comes before destruction. He will judge it. 2 Samuel 22, verse 28, David said, You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. God can't stand pridefulness. Not humbling ourselves brings undesirable results. Psalms 18.27 For you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. Psalm 147.6, the Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Can we say down? Proverbs 3.34, surely he scorns a scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. And Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Who would say the Bible has plenty to say on humility and pride? Verse 19, better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Lord, help us. Not helping ourselves brings undesirable results. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. There's the cause, and there's the effect. Proverbs 29, 23. And man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Jesus said this in three places in the Gospels. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That was Matthew 23, 12. He says it also in Luke 14, 11. And he says it again in Luke 18, 14, after telling the parable of the prayer of the lousy tax collector and the prideful Pharisee. I found an animated version of that parable that is powerful. A rabbi, a monk, and a pastor walk into a church. We've all heard these kind of jokes before. They poke fun at stereotypes. The monk has a cross, the rabbi has a beard, and the minister, he wears expensive shoes. Now before we dismiss this as just another childish joke, take a look at Luke 18, where Jesus starts a parable in almost exactly this way. Let's read. A Pharisee and a tax collector walk into the temple to pray. Sound familiar? Jesus continues. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, have mercy, forgive me, a lousy sinner. Maybe Jesus paused here and looked around at the crowd, 
giving them a few seconds to figure out where he was going with this. Then he finished. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. For most of us, this would be our mic drop moment. And while Jesus isn't afraid to call people out, he isn't doing it for TikTok views. He wants to give people life. And he knows that no matter how righteous we think we are, pride is lurking, ready to drag us back down to death. It's a simple parable with a clear message. Pride puts us in a place only God can be. And those who seek it out will be humble. But when we humble ourselves before God, he graciously invites us to join him in his glory. Remember the verse we read a few minutes ago, those that are humble will see? The humble people saw the Messiah. The prideful didn't. To understand his teachings, you had to humble yourself. Put yourself in the story to understand the story. The parable of the prodigal son. The prideful people had to put themselves in the story as the prideful brother who had never done any wrong. Do you understand the parable of the soils? you got to think of yourself as dirt. Are you good dirt or bad dirt? Humility helps us see and learn and understand. Christ is the ultimate example for humility that we saw in our text today. Humbling ourselves follows Christ's example. We read earlier, Philippians 2, 5, Let this mind be in you which which was also in Christ Jesus. That's not a brain transplant. There are people confessing, I have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ, and they're building up their religious pride because they have access to the mind of Christ. What was Christ's mind? It was his attitude. It was his mindset. It was more than just an organ called the brain. It was his disposition. He emptied himself and were to do the same, the same attitude. Who being in the form of God, we're going to look at the stepping down of his self. He's in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God, but yet he let it go. Other translations said he did not consider equality with God a thing to hold on to or to grasp, but made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. That's humility. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. If you think about pride, it builds itself. Stacking stones. I've got this accolade, that accolade. I've got more degrees than a thermometer. I've got this resume and that resume. I've got a bibliography. Google my name and you see who I am. Blah, 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 blah. Humility is that in reverse. Becoming less so that others might become more. Christ did that. The form of God made himself of no reputation, took the form of a bondservant, came in the likeness of men, and still didn't finish humbling himself. And being found in appearance as a man, verse 8, Philippians 2, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He became literally 
obedient until it cost him his life, obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So you see him stepping down? You see that? I think it was watching a knee that said, the experience of Jesus compared to us would be like Almighty God becoming human and not stopping there but becoming a servant, not stopping there but dying the death of a cross would be like a human becoming a cockroach. That would be humbling, wouldn't it? That's an example for us to follow. We'll never go to that extreme of his humility, but he leads the way for us. Therefore, here's his reward. Remember, the humble get exalted. God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. You got two knees? They're both going down. Of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And you say everybody. Their knees are going to bow. And every tongue who speaks a language here today, every language is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Hebrew, they're going to say Yeshua HaMashiach. In Spanish, they're going to say Jesus Cristo está el Señor. In Swahili, they're going to say Jesu is Lord. Every language is going to declare this because he humbled himself and received a reward beyond comprehension to the glory of God the Father. Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness. As the praise team comes forward, we want to give you glory and honor and praise you and your eternal holiness. Thank you, Lord, for setting the example Thank you, Lord, for humbling yourself. Show us, Lord, where our pride is causing us problems. Help us to repent and pursue humility every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Henry Ward Beecher, whose sister wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, he was a 19th century abolitionist, a pastor, He said, pride slays thanksgiving, but a humble mind is the soil out of which thanks, plural, naturally grow. A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. I deserve this. I deserve that. That's Remember our text open today, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Lord, help us to humbly serve one another and love one another. Lord, may this impact this congregation our homes, our families, and our careers and ministries. In Jesus' name, amen. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones 
and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all, and the angels cry, holy, all creation cries, holy, you are lifted high, holy, holy forever, your people sing, holy, to the King of kings, holy, you will always be. Holy, holy forever. Jesus, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name, it stands above them all. Above all thrones and dominions, all powers. And positions, your name, it stands above them all. Your name, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name, oh, it stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name. Stands above them all. Angels cry, holy, all creation cries, holy, you are lifted high, holy, holy forever. Sing holy to the King of Kings. Holy, you will always be holy, holy forever. Word holy is a superlative like no other means altogether separate, it speaks of purity. There's something that's set apart about him. And in heaven, there are creatures that say the word holy nine times. Your Bible, though, translators will do it three times. But they record it holy nine times. Check the margin of your Bible. If you've got a good one, they'll say, they actually say, I guess, nine times. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy. He's not just holy, he's holy. One adjective modifies the next. Today I understand it's going to be hot. In fact, it's not just going to be hot, it's going to be hot, hot. So he's holy to the ninth power. That's a name above every name. That's the name where all the fame goes. As a boy, I grew up in a denomination that had a well-known evangelist named T.W. Barnes. 
He also pastored in Menden, Louisiana. And T.W. Barnes got him a tent. He's going to have a healing campaign like was happening all over America. And so he followed what they were doing and put up a big billboard there by the tent and said, T.W. Barnes healing campaign. He said, the Lord spoke to me and said, hmm, T.W. Barnes, who's that? I never heard of him. He took it down. <laughs> Lord, if we see pridefulness all around us, help us not to be all judgmental and ugly about it. Help us just not to follow suit. True humility is successive. It's progressive. It's digressive. It's a continuing daily thing. The older you get, the more you have to be prideful for. So the older you get, the more you must humble yourselves. Paul is an example. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, this is the earlier part of his ministry, between AD 53 and 57, he said, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Here's a guy who didn't know he was writing over a third of the New Testament. He didn't know it. He's humbling himself, isn't he? Later, he wrote this in his letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 3, verse 8. To me, this is around AD 60, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, it's important to know who we are in Christ, right? Right? In Christ, we're more than conquerors. In Christ, we're complete. In Christ, we're adequate. In Christ, we're the righteousness of God. But never forget, those attributes are in Christ. Outside of Christ, we are not these things. Right? In fact, the verses we get those truths from primarily are from the writings of Paul. He knew who he was in Christ, but he also knew who he was. And he humbled himself. Thought of himself as the least of the apostles, and then he thought of himself as time went on as the least of the saints. And as he got older, when he was in prison, he called himself Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, who for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So least of the apostles, least of the saints, prisoner. He's following Christ. In fact, our text today came from the writings of Paul. To Timothy, he says in chapter 1, verse 15 of his first letter to him, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. A couple years before his death, humbling himself rather than exalting himself. Lord, help us to humble ourselves to cheer one another on. And when our pride gets hurt, help us to be alert to that and to be quick to run to you to get freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what helps me when I get hurt by somebody? Somebody has an oversight or they overlook me? I get on my face and say, Lord, where have I done this to somebody? And he shows me. 
And if he uh, doesn't, I have a family that will tell me if I ask them. <laughs> and that gives grace. It just gives such freedom. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that's based on Calvary's conquest and not on human compromise. And the peace that comes when we truly humble ourselves. Lord, may we do this every day. This is part of our closing. In Jesus' name, amen.